You're listening to the Beyond the States podcast with Jen Vimont. Did you know that you can go to Europe and get your entire degree taught in English for less than one year of tuition at many American schools? Jen will take you on a deep dive into the many benefits and options around English-taught higher education in Europe, helping to make the possibility less foreign. Thanks for joining me for episode four of the Beyond the States podcast. I'm Jen Vimont, the founder of Beyond the States. And one of the things I love about my work is learning about and experiencing countries that I either had no knowledge about or misinformation about before. Today, we're going to talk about the benefits of studying in some of these less known off the beaten path countries, namely Estonia. So some of our members opt to have me complete a best fit program list for them. I've mentioned these before in other episodes. It's another part of the work I really love. The student fills out a questionnaire I developed that tells me about their interests, their qualifications, uh, their preferences, their desired field of study, and things like that. And then I develop a list of a handful of programs I think they should check out. One of the questions I ask is whether there are any countries they know they'd like to study in or they know they'd like to avoid. Not once have I seen Estonia listed as either a desired country or a country to avoid. It's one of those countries we're really not aware of. I myself could not have placed it on a map before doing my work with Beyond the States. As I learned more about it as I was researching schools, I knew I had to visit. I had a trip planned to visit schools in Scandinavia in uh, November of 2015, and I was able to easily tack a day trip onto my time in Helsinki, which is just a two-hour ferry ride away. So why did I feel like Estonia might be a hidden gem for international students? Let me start by telling you what I did know about it. I knew that it was a small country. Uh, The entire population of the country is a sixth of the size of the population of New York City. And I knew that they were under Soviet rule until 1991. I don't know what I expected based on that, but I was totally surprised when I learned that they're one of the most tech-savvy countries in the world. They're actually called the next Silicon Valley. So they're an e-society, which our guests will explain more about in just a bit. But they also have the world record for the number of startups per person. They have the world's fastest broadband speed. And get this, there is free Wi-Fi everywhere. Um, They teach all the kids to code in school. Internet access is seen as a human right. And actually, the software for um, made for Skype was made in Estonia, or developed in Estonia, I guess it's what you call it for software. I'm not the most tech-savvy person in the world. So... Probably due to the Soviet occupation, I thought of it as more of an Eastern European country, though certainly geography had a bit to do with that. But it turns out they're actually considered uh, Northern European. So as many of you know, I really love Northern Europe. I heard the term uh, Scandamania, which may apply. But boy, it's expensive there. We were just in Bergen. We were in Norway over the summer, and I was blown away at how, how expensive just living costs are. Estonia, on the other hand, is incredibly affordable, but with many of the same features as the other Nordic countries, including really high English proficiency. So all of the schools with English-conducted master's or bachelor's programs are either in Tallinn or Tartu. There are a total of six schools that offer a total of 74 English-conducted programs. These programs start at just under $2,000 per year, and almost all of them are under $7,200 per year. Tallinn University of Technology is one of the schools I visited two years ago. Our guest today, Crystal Legrone, recently graduated uh, from Tallinn University of Technology with a master's degree from the e-governance technologies and services program. Thanks for joining us, Crystal. Glad to be here. 
So can you tell me about how you decided to pursue your education in Talon? Well, it's sort of a funny story. I had, I, I was a non-traditional student. I, I went back to school after many years of staying home with my kids. I graduated with my bachelor's degree from Oklahoma State University um, in 2011. And just after that, uh, one of my friends from church came up to me and she said, hey, I know you finally graduated, so you don't have the excuse of school. Would you mind going to this country to do a mission trip and I said okay where do you want me to go and she said Estonia I said okay wow where is that exactly right so um I we arrived in Tallinn and that first day um I was just taken aback by the beauty of the city um because uh it's sort of this mix of uh old old world and and new modern um and Meeting people and talking to them, I discovered that they had this great e-government infrastructure and they had internet voting. And internet voting was a hot topic for me. I, um, back home in, in Oklahoma, I worked on political campaigns and I was really uh, adamant about people getting registered to vote. I'm one of those people. Very right. interesting. And so uh, I thought, wow, internet voting, here's this tiny country, uh, former Soviet country, and look what they've done. They've created this wonderful solution to help people vote, and we don't have that. Well, um, a couple of years later, this program started, and uh, I stumbled across it, and I said, that's the one. Um, It would position me well uh, teach me what I need to know and uh, how to implement e-services and do e-government better in the U.S. That's really cool. It's cool that you found this program to pursue a passion. Uh, I've seen a program in Italy that I feel similarly about called Italian Food and Wine. I think, I think I'd be a natural. <laughs> but um, So uh, most people have no idea what Estonia is like. and you know You don't see it on the travel shows. You don't see a lot of books about it at the bookstore, though I did see an old House Hunters International episode about it. But um, for those of us who haven't seen, our, our listeners who have not seen that specific episode of House Hunters, can you describe Estonia a little bit to us? So uh, first off, when I told my family I was going to study in Estonia, they said, is that in upstate New York? And I said, <laughs> no, it's a little further to the east. Right. Um, so Estonia is nestled just south of Finland. Um, if you can, if you can visualize what Finland and Sweden and Norway sticking there, and you see Finland sticking down, and um, just south of there is Estonia. Um, it's a part of the Baltic uh, countries. Though, as I was talking with a friend of mine, the Baltics are grouped together very often. Everybody says, "Oh, it's the Baltic states." That's true, but each of them are so different. Uh, Estonia is. Very, um, so you have this medieval feel and when you're walking through Old Town and then you go to some of the tech centers uh, that are positioned around the city and so you get this very modern feel. And then sometimes when I'm riding one of the trams that goes through uh, the city center, I think 50 years ago, I wouldn't have been here because they didn't let Americans come here very often because it was Soviet times. And so you kind of take him back in time a little bit sometimes. But 
Estonia has a lot of lovely forests. Um, it's very, it's very natural. Uh, they they love nature, and um, it's a wonderful sort of mix of old world and then this sort of new Nordic uh, feel. That really struck me when I was there too. And just with the architecture, you know, just medieval buildings with a huge, you know, modern glass building directly behind it. And even just little quirky things. I was walking through Old Town and saw um, a Depeche Mode bar. So yes. some, of our, some of our listeners are probably younger and aren't familiar with Depeche Mode, but they were pretty big in the 80s. <laughs> and, uh, and at a bar devoted to Depeche Mode that Depeche Mode has visited, it, it was just um, not something I expected to see and just kind of made me laugh a little bit. It was pretty cool. I, lo- I like quirky a lot. And I definitely had this, this kind of like a fun feel from it, not uptight. Yeah. Well, just imagine, uh, imagine the time period. If you, if you take, if you take a, take a step back a little bit, Depeche Mode and actually all 80s music is really popular here, 80s and 90s music, because they, they gained their independence in 91. Right. And they were getting little tidbits of radio free Europe at the, in the 80s, when Glashnost and Perestroika came in, right? So they were starting to get some of this Western music. So that is like their classic music, you know? That's the classic rock music. Well, that's they awesome. The 90s ago, the there, 80s. that's mine too. And so I appreciate it. You definitely <laughs> need to So tell me, being from the South, how do you cope with winters in Estonia? Winters are hard. Um, we were. I was speaking today with a girl from Turkey. Because um, remember, this is a very international uh, program here. You get a lot of international students. And uh, Turkey, they also have a lot of sun like we do back home. So wintertime is challenging. Um, in about starting, well, starting now through mainly October, November, the dark, the dark times come in. Um, and when I say dark times, it means the sun doesn't come up till almost 9 a.m. And then it goes down around 4.30 in the, in the afternoon. And so this is, it, it's sort of a shock to your body. Um, I'm in Oklahoma, we get on average about 300 days of sun a year. So um, during November and December, it's, it's tough not having the sunlight. The cold you can manage. Estonians will tell you there's never cold weather. It's just bad at planning. Nice. Worn more clothes. You know, I was struck by that. I was there in November, and I thought it was going to be much colder than it was. It, it really wasn't. But in Estonia and throughout Scandinavia, I, the lack of sun was, was very jarring. But, you know, I grew up in Chicago where winters were brutal and I love Chicago and I miss it every day. And one of the things that prevents me from moving there full time, you know, permanently are winters. But if someone offered me the opportunity to live there for three years, I absolutely would in a heartbeat. I feel like, you know, as a student, you're there for three years with your bachelor's or you're there for two years with your master's. So you're not committing to dealing with hard winters for the rest of your life. You know, we're talking about like, Taking a cool opportunity, you know, stock up on your vitamin D, bring a sun lamp if you want to. I, I don't think it should be a deal breaker. Absolutely not. And and uh, the Estonians are great about helping non-Estonians cope with those times of year. Um, they'll encourage you to eat more salmon. 
absolutely take vitamin D, visit the sauna, and there's a lot of indoor pools. Um, so getting an opportunity to swim as well. All of these, you know, getting exercise and moving when you can, all this helps helps with the with the dark, the dark days during the winter. But we always remember once we get into into January and we've now turned the corner we get our white nights back again. So there's one night a year, it's on uh, Yanni 5, and uh, we get almost 24 hours of sun. So really? Yeah, so uh, in in uh, the spring, the sun's coming up around 4 a.m., and it goes down around 11.30 wow. p.m. So that's your bonus. So tell me this, I'm not the most technologically advanced person in the world, and as a matter of fact, when we spoke before, you used a phrase that I loved, cyber hygiene. And I, I really wish I had more opportunities to incorporate it into my daily life, but I don't talk about technology a lot because I don't know a lot about technology. So I'm hoping that you can explain to our listeners um, Estonia's technology, particularly around what it means to be an e-society. So Estonia had, uh, during, during the uh, Soviet occupation, they had a specific uh, sort of interest here. Um, there was a lot of uh, technology that was coming here. This was sort of the tech hub of the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. And, and when the Soviets uh, left the people remained. So you still had that competency here. You still had the people and the work that they were doing. So they began to build on that. And and also when the Soviets left, they had a clean slate. They got to, you know, they were recreating their government. They were um, enacting new laws and they were able to implement things. And so they decided to uh, implement these technological solutions to help citizens. Um, this, the Estonians also tell you because they're only a country of 1.3 million, they can't have a, an office in every small village. So mm-hmm. they had to come up with a solution to get basic governmental services to people who are in the rural areas as well. So uh, they created what they call the Estonian X-Road. And um, not to get too technical, but <laughs> what this is, is it's just a distributed network of of uh, databases. So for instance, if you have to go to a government office um, in the US, you would go to the office and you would have to fill out all the forms, you know, name, address, and all this. Then you, if you needed, if they sent you to another office, you would have to duplicate that information. You would have to write it all down again. Here in Estonia, all of that information is shared, which means you have easy access to services. So they implemented an ID card that has the chip. We have these chips in our credit cards now in the US. Mm-hmm. And the chip allows the citizens to log in securely and they know that their, their information is safe. I can't always say that about the US government, that my information is always safe. So they log in, they can do almost everything online. There's a few things you cannot do online in Estonia. You can't get married online. You can't get divorced online. And you can't sell property, but you kind of can sell property because actually you have to go to a notary and show intent. I'm meaning to sell my property. But once that connection's made, all the all the documents go electronically. They're signed digitally. And it happens in about two weeks. You know, that's, so I think of how that could change our lives here. For instance, my husband, Tom, 
just lost his wallet yesterday. And so, you know, of course, the process of getting his driver's license replaced, calling every credit card company, calling our bank, you know, all of that consumed hours this morning. Yeah. Um, or even just little things like the last time I was at the doctor, they asked me when the last time I had a tetanus shot was. <laughs> I have no idea. And, you know, there was no central way to look that up. I mean, just how incredible. One of the things I think that's interesting about the technology in Estonia is how many educational opportunities there are around technology. So can you tell me about your educational experience that you had in Estonia? My, uh, so I, of course, uh, because I was passionate about uh, e-government and e-government services and internet voting specifically, um, coming to Estonia was, uh, I knew that I was, I was studying in the right place. So for me, I could come here. Um, the country's young. Uh, the people that design the technology are still here. They're still around. You can still talk to them. And that was an important part of my educational experience, especially at the master's level, because you sometimes you need real, um, you need some historical perspective on how things uh, happened. And so it was, it was so amazing to be able to actually speak to the people that are actually creating and implementing the solutions that we get to use every day. So that was one of the big important things for me was, you know, getting, getting education from very high class uh, published authors and uh, they, they worked hard to bring these people to Estonia um, to, share, to share their knowledge. The system is a little bit different, the class system. So, you know, in traditional U.S. universities, you have a class that goes Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday, right? Right. We all do that. Well, so sometimes I would have classes that were in week five of, you know, 16 or whatever. <laughs> and that was only, it was only that, that week. And then we would have five lectures. And then from there you know, you had to kind of schedule all of your other classes around that. So it all, it all gelled in the end. But uh, so learning the class structure is a little bit different. And then some of the, uh, some things that I enjoy about studying in Estonia specifically were um, the schools, just like schools in the U.S., we have traditions, uh, song traditions or uh, places that they travel together. These are it makes you feel like home. Right. Um, it was just overall, it was a great experience. So you're talking about traditions and that brings me to sort of, um, well, my next question, which is when I met with an administrator in Tallinn for a good 30 to 45 minutes of our meeting, I didn't think she liked me. And then, you know, after 30, 45 minutes, things were warming up and I'm like, oh, you know, awesome. She, she doesn't think I'm an idiot or whatever, but she did tell me that Estonians are more reserved and sometimes with the students, with international students, that kind of reservation um, is misinterpreted and misjudged as grouchiness. Uh, and, and then the student ends up learning that, no, the professor's not grouchy, unless, of course, they showed up late. She told me punctuality is also crucial for Estonians. But how does that sort of um, cultural difference of being, you know, I, I live in the South, too, and I know when I go to, home to Chicago, even there is a little bit of a culture shock of like here, you know, you wave at everybody, even if you don't know them here in the South and in Chicago, you know, you kind of go along your own way. And so how, how does that play out for you in your everyday life? 
Well, I had a great, uh, one of my really good friends from school, my Estonian friend who studied in the U.S. for a little while, uh, she had this great analogy. And she said, she said that uh, Estonians are like a coconut. You know, they have this sort of rough, hard exterior. But once you get in, you see that it's, it's sweet and soft and it's, you know, they're very warm and giving and loving. Mm-hmm. Um, Americans are more like a peach. So we're soft on the outside and we're friendly and squishy, but then there's still something in, in the middle that we keep to ourselves. And, and so that little hard pit, right? So I love this analogy because uh, really I feel that Estonians uh, overall are extremely giving and they're very generous and they're very open uh, hearted. But you do have to get past that that initial um, sort of reserved, sure, uh, conservative sure. type type uh, outlook. But um, this hasn't been a problem for me again in the university bubble because uh, you're you're around a lot of international students, you're around a lot of students, and I think even Estonian students are inside the university are typically. Uh, very open. So I didn't have a problem uh, still. Yeah. They're pretty grumpy on the bus in the morning. Sure. But I think, you know. I think everyone's grumpy on the bus in the morning. Well, you shouldn't be. That brings me to my next question because tell me how much your bus fare is. Well, um, as a resident of the city of Tallinn, uh, public transportation is actually free. Isn't that crazy? And that, I mean, that's a real benefit of Estonia I talk about is this affordability. You know, so many, I I just said in the introduction before we got on the call about how it has so many of the same benefits as the Nordic countries, but then it's so much more affordable. I actually, um, this might offend any uh, vegetarians who are listening, but whenever I go to visit schools, I, you know, I bring my kids back something and my son is 16, so he doesn't really care about t-shirts and stuff like that. But when he heard that I was going to um, to Scandinavia, he said he wanted me to bring him. We had read about um, like canned bear, <laughs> uh, canned bear meat, and so when I was in um, Helsinki, I was looking at canned bear meat, and I'm like, I am not going to spend this much money on a on a souvenir for him. It was crazy. And the students who I met in Helsinki said, "Oh, wait till you're in Tallinn and buy it there. It's much cheaper." I guess a lot of people from Finland go to Estonia to buy their alcohol too. It's just tremendously less expensive. So I was able to find bear in Tallinn and then my son and his friends, uh, you know, high school lunch, were able to eat canned strange meat. But anyway, so to affordability, can you tell me, for instance, um, what tuition is uh, for the program that you went to? So the benefit of uh, when you're looking at the programs here in Estonia, it's uh, some of the programs actually have scholarships and uh, free tuition. So um, for so many students, they'll uh, waive tuition, which is really wonderful. Yeah. And um, but if you do have to pay, uh, I think tuition runs around three thousand euros, which converted that's probably about thirty five hundred dollars a year. So, um, can you imagine? No. Um, I mean, that's significantly less than you would pay for in-state tuition. Absolutely. And so this is, um, 
this was one benefit. Also, after your first semester, because as an international student, you don't have a history of academic uh, academic history here in here in Estonia. So you can't get the scholarships the first semester mm-hmm. because they have nothing to pull from. However, once uh, once you have an academic record and you've performed well, you've you've gotten the amount of credits they've required, and and you've maintained a solid GPA, you can you can then um, apply for scholarships. So uh, for me personally, um, I was under the tuition waiver program, so I didn't have any tuition. And then as my second semester began, I applied for this scholarship. And so I was able to get scholarship to help with living expenses, so which are also quite reasonable. How much does housing cost on average? If a student were coming to Estonia and wanted to share an apartment with another student, for instance, what should they yeah. expect to pay? Yeah, so an off-campus apartment, you can get uh, for anywhere, I would say, from 320 euros a month uh, plus utilities. Mm-hmm. So you with that. Um, the dorms, there are dorms available mm-hmm. at, at uh, the Italian Uni- University of Technology, and you can apply to be in the in the dorms, and they're quite reasonable. I'm not quite sure what the price is on, on the dorms. Uh, I lived off campus. I lived right across the street from the university, which was right across the street from Skype. Aha, uh-huh. very cool. So tell me about how much you paid for books when you were a student. Yeah, we didn't pay. We didn't pay for books because our professors believe that if they are going to give you something that you need to read, they're going to supply that for you. So we got uh, PDFs of of the required reading, and uh, and there's a library if you need a book. But generally, we didn't have to buy books. This is pretty common in Europe, and it's so different, and I think it really speaks to the difference in the educational approach of how it's not being treated like big business. I mean, here at a local university, there was just a big thing because Barnes & Noble was buying the university bookstore, and, and I was reading that $600 on average is what um, Americans pay for books each semester, each semester. So that's another $1,200 a year, which is like half of tuition Italian University of Technology, you know? Exactly. I can't, I can't imagine. I, I think students would probably revolt if they were told that they had to buy books here. <laughs> <laughs> well, and interestingly, you talk about students revolting. Until just recently, um, Finland was a um, country that offered free tuition to all international students. They recently changed that. But as they were changing that, even Finnish students were protesting, saying, you know, first it starts with international students, and then are they going to start charging us tuition as well? And so, so people do see that, how sort of the bigger picture of things, which is interesting. Yeah. Well, and it, it may be partly because there has been more news coming out in regards to these kids coming out of uh, universities in the United States with mounds of student loan debt. And what do they do? So I think, and that's been internationally, uh, in the international press. So I think, I think that, yeah, that, that could really scare some people uh, in, in this uh, sphere here. Absolutely. So you're now working in Estonia. Does, does this mean you speak Estonian? <laughs> oh, I wish I spoke Estonian. Um, <laughs> So I, I do know some some common phrases, of course, uh, and 
and pleasantries, so I cannot be rude to right. people. Um, however, Estonia makes me really lazy. Just about everyone here speaks English. If you're over 10 and under 65, most likely you have some proficiency in English. So they start learning English in the first or second grade now. They also learn computer coding in the first and second grade here. Wow. So they're, really, they're really trying to set the kids up to be ahead of the pack. And well, I, I had read that, that all students learn coding, and I didn't realize it started that young. I guess I just sort of assumed, you know, there's some mandatory high school class that they have to take. I didn't realize this is, like, integrated into their education like that. Yeah, they learn it in elementary school. And it's simple It's simple circuits and connections, but it, it helps build build their proficiency because they know that, that uh, technology is – a good driver for their economy. And they know that they need to be producing uh, kids with these competencies coming out of high school, coming out of college. And so uh, this is a nationwide effort to try to improve that competency. That's really cool. So are there any other specific benefits to studying in Estonia that we haven't touched on today? Well, I think, I think you can definitely uh, get a world-class education. Uh, you get a new experience of living in a foreign country. It's very accessible. Um, it's also a good lesson in history and learning about uh, different cultures and how wonderfully um, deeply rooted the culture is here. Uh, as we had, we've spoken previously, the U.S. is such a multicultural um, state. And so coming to Estonia and seeing the traditional costumes, hearing the traditional songs and seeing the, the pride and, you know, the tears in, in the Estonians' eyes when they sing their national anthem, it's really powerful. And I think that that's, that's a big part of uh, getting that full experience when you're studying abroad. That's really cool. And Crystal, you, you recommended a movie to me and I put it on my... I believe it was on my Amazon watch list or my iTunes watch list. I have not watched it yet, but absolutely plan to. Tell me the name of it so that we can, so our listeners can hear about this too. It's called The Singing Revolution. And how many times have you seen it, Crystal? Uh, about 17 times. <laughs> after we talked the last time and I recommended it to you, I watched it again. So maybe 18 now. Um, it's it's a wonderful it's a wonderful story, and you get to hear a lot of the traditional Estonian songs. So you get to hear some of these great vowel sounds that I'm learning because we don't have these vowel sounds in English, and uh, it, it's really powerful. And my understanding is that it, it really it talks about the history of Estonia. And when I think about learning about the history of a country, I'm gonna own it. I think, oh, it's going to be so boring. But when we think about it, this is really recent history. You know, as you were saying with, with um, the people you're able to talk to about the technology, you know, that's history. And that's very recent. So um, it's just interesting. It's so interesting to me to learn about these places that we really don't learn about here in the States. No. And, and actually, in the movie, you'll see clips of... Uh, American news reporters covering the uh, sort of collapse of the Soviet Union, and they were talking about the Baltic states. And this was in the 19, you know, this was in the, you know, 1990, 1991. And 
I was just blown away that I didn't, I wasn't paying attention. We didn't see this. Um, and uh, you remember one thing that was really interesting. They had this event here uh, where they held hands and made a human chain from Tallinn through Latvia and down to Vilnius in, in Lithuania. And I, I was, this happened in 1989. This was sort of this hands across the Baltic. That's and what I, I was thinking of, hands across hands America. Across America. Hands Across America happened in 1986. So I don't know if they heard about it and or if the, if, if it just sort of happened organically. Right. But uh, there was sort of, and that sort of was a connection for me. I was like, I was a part of that. I remember right. that. And you see people in the film saying, we were a part of something great. Right. And, and uh, but yeah, the one thing about the movie, it, it does talk a lot about the history of, of how uh, the occupations sort of happened back and forth during the during World War Two, and then it moves forward. But it's quite compelling. And again, because this is not, you know, long ago, you see people on the movie that are still around today. And as a matter of fact, one of the people in the movie, uh, he came into one of uh, to my office, and I got to meet him. And I emailed him later and, and I let him know that it was such an honor to meet him because I had seen the movie and, and I understood what courage it took to, for him to do what he did during that time. Well, see, you just messed up my weekend. I was going to watch The Big Sick, which just came out on rental. And now I think I'm going to have to modify that. But Crystal, I really appreciate you being here and telling us all about Estonia today and the benefits of being an international student in Estonia. We're going to have um, links on our show notes to the movie and also to uh, the programs at Tallinn University and such. And um, thanks so much for joining us. It's been my pleasure. Today's takeaway is that a country can offer incredible educational opportunities, even if you've never heard of it, and even if it's not a popular tourist destination. In addition to Estonia, there are other lesser-known countries that are worth exploring. This November, for instance, I'm heading to check out schools in Bulgaria. I think that might be a future hotspot for international students, and I'll keep you posted on that. You can find information about other schools I've visited on our website, beyondthestates.com, under blogs and also under our webinars. You can also find all the show notes on our website on the podcast page, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you enjoy the podcast, I'd love if you'd rate it on iTunes. Thanks for joining me.